Hello and welcome to the Thought Bubble. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. This is an experimental podcast. This is something we just thought we would try out to see if y'all like it. Uh, Dave Gonzalez here has an immense amount of comics book knowledge in his head. I have a modicum of comic book knowledge in my head, but we're both very curious about the proliferation of comic book films and comic book television that's coming out of this great rich medium of Americana that we have. And so not to limit it to America, of course. So uh, what we thought we would do is answer your questions, basically. We solicited some people on Twitter and Facebook today to get a series of questions about anything and everything that's going on in the comic book world. Dave is ostensibly our expert. I do have some opinions and thoughts myself, though. So we're just going to go through your questions and answer them on a week-by-week basis. Uh, You can write in to our email address, which is bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. And, but for right now, we're just going to get started with these questions we had uh, that we solicited today. So thanks for listening. Here we go. One more quick note before we get going. We have two sections to this podcast. The first is a very base, not very basic, but fairly basic section where we'll go over your questions and answer them in the best way that we possibly can. At the end of the podcast, and we will give you fair warning when we get there, is what we're calling our advanced section, or if you want to call it a spoiler section, because there are some comic book plot lines that maybe you, the casual watcher of television and film, do not want to know about, but they're locked away in Dave's little head and he wants to talk about them. So we will be going a little deeper in the advanced section at the end of the podcast once again. And there'll be a warning before we get there. So we're going to start with this first question. Uh, this comes from Francis in California. He says, one thing that intrigues me about comic movies and TV shows is why they think they need to keep retelling the origin stories of well-known characters. Usually they're less interesting than a lot of other stories they could tell and most people already know. I'm talking the really well-known ones, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, etc. I completely agree with Francis here. It's Maybe the most irritating thing of the Gotham premiere for me was watching uh, Bruce Wayne's parents die again and just thinking about how many times I've seen that happen. Um, You know, the same can be true if we recast Spider-Man. Do we really need to see all of that happen for him again? Uh, That sort of thing. So I I, I don't know. Should there be a timeline? Like every five years? If we've done it like in the past five years, you can't do it again? I I don't know what the rule should be. Oh, I don't don't think it's that. I think as soon as culture has absorbed it, which I think for the tentpole characters they have, especially things for like the Hulk, which are completely outdated in the sense that we thought gamma rays could do things (laughs) to you besides cause cancer, and in the sense that they don't matter because it's just Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which people recognize very early on just from having a basic elementary school education during October. So I feel like we're, we've, I think we're at the end of uh, sort of clunky origin stories. I think not only for the main characters because we sort of know them, but now just because we're going to have so many superhero movies, we're going to get to develop a shorthand in terms of origins. Uh, I think a good thing to look at is something like the Avengers, where you know where all the characters are coming from and what they want in that particular movie without necessarily having to know exactly who created the super serum and what, what Tony Stark's father had to do with weapons and if Jeff Bridges is still part of that universe. Those questions don't necessarily matter. What matters is the character arc in the movie and hopefully we're moving towards that. 
Well, I mean, to a certain extent, I agree with you because I'm really grateful that we got Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, which is, I guess, I mean, is it just Edward Norton's Hulk? I don't know quite yes. what plotline we're following here. That but is the, the, canonically the same Hulk. Yeah, but we didn't have to watch him go through that again. He just showed up in the movie and we knew who he was and it was fine. Uh, I appreciated that. Um but I don't know, as we get these new characters, as we get a Doctor Strange or an Ant-Man, I mean, those are, you know, definitely esoteric characters that we're going to need to get their origin. But like, say, Wonder Woman, even though it's kind of in the zeitgeist about Wonder Woman, that, I mean, she's definitely going to have to have an origin story. So I think we've got a lot more origins in front of us. But also, mm-hmm. as you say, mm-hmm. you said you said that as soon as it's in the zeitgeist or the, or the cultural you know, ether or whatever, that yeah. we know what happened to Batman. But new kids are coming up all the time who don't know what happened to Batman, you know? And so they need their iteration every time. Well, I think up, that's right? I think that's a misnomer. It's the same sort of idea when people are like, where do I start if I want to know everything that's happening in the DC universe? The thing is, is there isn't like a point A. Your enjoyment of a character and its storyline is what's going to lead you to understanding the rich history of that character. If you're just in it for plot, then yeah, I guess you're going to have a Act 1 mini origin story and Wonder Woman they've even made more understandable in making her just a daughter of Zeus rather than her more complex uh, comics origins. Right. So I think it's it's somewhere in the middle but I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot more of, like, bit by a radioactive spider. I mean, I'm a big fan of the original James Cameron Spider-Man treatment, which just got rid of all of that in the opening credits and started with uh, Peter Parker being Spider-Man hanging upside down. I just thought it was great shorthand. We weren't there yet in terms of filmmaking, but I think we're definitely there now. And I don't think that anyone who wants to see a Batman origin movie is going to start anywhere else than with a movie titled Batman Begins. So I think we got that covered. Well, what is interesting is, at least as far as DC is concerned, we're getting the Justice League movie before we get the Flash standalone, before we get, I think, the Aquaman standalone. Um, You know, and, and those characters are going to be in the Justice League. So, you know, presumably, or but they're also going to be showing up in Batman vs. Superman. So I can't, I can't think that they're going to do origin stories for those characters. Right? I mean, unless the you way that... start with their standalone movie, as you did with Thor and Captain America and Iron Man, if they come in already to an ensemble, are you really going to take the time to do their, their origin? I mean, even in comics, when you do revisit an origin, it's for the purpose of the greater story arc that you're in the middle of. So we might get things revisited, especially with Flash, because of, I mean, if you're watching the TV series, you know there's some yellow speedster involved in his past um so i feel like there's certain things but that that's an origin of his sort of moral justice that's not an origin of how he got to be super fast so i feel like they could sort of balance both those things and just place it in the correct puzzle piece empty spot uh, where it's like we need you know Bruce Wayne needs to, you know, crack down on crime and crime alley. So maybe we should talk about that's where his parents got killed. It's a horrible example, but I, I want <laughs> well, to see true. it being used and that way. We're not going to get Ben Affleck's origin, Duh. right? Well, he's I mean, showing right unless it's going to be some terrible flashback sequence. Oh, I mean, I would not put it past Zack Snyder to like Ben Affleck surveying the damage of the Battle of Metropolis. 
and then like gets off a train near old crime alley and sees the closed down theater right where his parents were shot and we get that sad ben affleck batman face (laughs) that's true we can't have we can't have sad sad batman without that origin story all right so that's our origin story answer for now it is interesting that we've got these television shows like gotham and the flash that are you know run by dc and warner brothers but not affiliated with the film versions so the origin stories are could be even closer together because we just got the origin of the flash on television and uh and batman tiny batman all right uh this question comes from pat from maryland and his question is or he says it's alleged that superman folds his clark kent suits up real small and puts them in the pocket of his cape when he changes but what does he do with his shoes eat them my theory is that superman drops his shoes Super fast, you can't see it. He drops his shoes at the feet of the homeless of Metropolis, Mm. thereby doing good whilst on his way to fight crime. Dave Gonzalez, what is your what is your answer to this question? I think that the Superman boots are actually booties, so he can just put them over his footwear. Oh, like he's going to a hazmat crime scene or something. And then if he's in like a barefoot Clark Kent situation, he is Superman, so Superman doesn't need like soles of shoes. He's indestructible. I have no need for your soles of shoes. That's right. Ooh, maybe Clark Kent doesn't wear shoes. He paints shoes on every morning. Or maybe Clark Kent tattooed shoes onto his feet. Um... Rather than go to the trouble of painting them every morning. Maybe you look real close like it's a tattoo. I like that. All right. That's our answer for that excellent question from Pat. This question comes from Adam from Oregon. And he says, why does DC think taking away something from the comics translates to a good television show? His examples here are Superman, uh, the Smallville show. Like there was no costumes or no flight in that show. Also Green Arrow, or I think it's just called Arrow, the television show. Um, Arrow is brooding, but nobody has superpowers. In Gotham, this Batman, like he's a kid, he's not Batman yet, and the show centers around mostly people you don't care about, and they only tease you with the people that they do. Uh, Gotham has a lot of problems, so we can go there another time. But yeah, just this concept of of slightly stripping down comics to make television. And I mean, I think you could even say make that claim about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because the whole point of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a Marvel property, is these are the ordinary people soldiering along with the supernaturals. Um, right. I think that was a smart decision to make because it was broadcasting some of the limitations you're going to have with superheroes on TV, right. especially popular superheroes, which is why... DC has to power down its popular superheroes because it's swinging with its A-game. It's not trifling around with Mockingbird from Friday Night Lights. It's giving you, you know, Superman. So great. Don't say that so dismissively because Mockingbird from Friday Night Lights, a.k.a. Adrian Palicki on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is great. So Yes, no, that's true. And they're doing really, they're doing better things with action choreography on that show. They're not up to the point of Arrow, which is, I think, has the best superhero action choreography on tv flashes flashes close i'm i'm not flash quite is hard because well i think the actual answer is tv can't support the special effects as well as film can flash is doing a pretty good job but it still looks you know a little hokey as you would expect because there's a lot of green screens involved so um right. i think it's better when you have 
you know, Oliver Queen out there just punching people and shooting arrows versus, you know, Barry Allen running really fast with the city. On TV, one translates better than the other. I mean, yeah, I agree. And then also DC's characters, I think, feel weirder when they're separated from their powers, whereas something like, you know, the Incredible Hulk TV show didn't even focus on his powers at all. It focused on the character trait that he wanted to be left alone. And it was just like, that was the plot. Oh, he needed to be left alone and he was on the run, which... That's the plot of the Lou Ferrigna of Hulk show? Basically, yeah. You know, he's walking <laughs> away and like hitchhiking. And so, and, or, or even when you had like Spider-Man TV show uh, versions, it would still be a lot of Peter Parker getting in weird situations and not so much Spider-Man because that wasn't uh, effect possible in to make it look anything like what he was supposed to do in the comics. So it's always been a problem with TV. I think it just is immediately obvious with DC because their characters are so much more iconic and great as heroes, I think, over Marvel characters. Marvel characters, I think, are better characters. Like, you could spend an entire movie with Tony Stark and not necessarily feel bored, but I'm so sick of spending movies with just Superman and his very stark morals. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's it's going to be difficult for that property, but I think they're doing amazing things, and at least until, like, the past few weeks, we're doing it better than Marvel ever had. Um, the, the other thing I'll say is that you know, before we had all this live action television, there were some great animated series, which was my intro to a lot of comic lore. And that would be the X-Men animated series and the Batman animated series Mm -hmm. uh, that were around in the 90s. And yeah, so when you don't have the strictures of live action television trying to shoot effects, you you know, you can just go for broke with an animated series. So uh, I really do think... Yes. The look of it has a lot to do with it. Batman the Animated Series went for broke. X-Men, uh, I mean, they were they were hampered by a lot of things. Mostly that they couldn't use, like, bullets and violence uh, so much once the network caught on what they were doing. But, yeah, I agree with you for the most part. Um, all right, our next question comes from Chris from Texas. And he says, will a new Avengers team without Evans, Hemsworth, and possibly Robert Downey Jr. work for Avengers 3 Part 1? That's the Infinity Gauntlet. Is that what, Or Infinity Wars? What is it called? Infinity War Part 1. Infinity War Part 1. I really hate subtitles after colons so much. Um, they slow me down, man. I'll tell you what. I think it's Avengers Infinity War colon Part 1. Colon Part 1. Okay. Um, I will say quickly that I'm not worried if who fills in for them are people like Paul Rudd or Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, I I just think they're going to keep recruiting top-notch talent into this franchise. And so as long as the writing can support it, I think the characters and the performers are there to fill in for these people that we've come to know. But yeah, that is the rumor that there will be all new Avengers uh, when it comes time for the Infinity War iteration. So... Yeah, and then I think the Avengers also, uh, in comics, have always had a sort of changing lineup. Uh, we've sort of skipped around and done the greatest hits in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's time to embrace just how big the Avengers are. Uh, recently in comics, last year, the year before, I don't know, it all sort of blurs together with these huge crossover events. There's this event called Infinity, where all these aliens started wiping out all these planets, 
And at the end of the event, Captain America and Iron Man established Avengers World, which is a whole other cosmic team that takes care of all these different planets. There's the new Avengers, who are also called the Illuminati. They're the secret Avengers. There what? There's the West- Illuminati? Are you kidding me? No, the Illuminati. That's Illum- awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there in future thought bubbles when we start talking about <laughs> Captain America Civil War and Black Panther. Um, but... Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different Avengers teams, and they all have very specific purposes. There even used to be West Coast Avengers, because I guess it was took too much time to fly a Quinjet from one side of the nation to the Led other. Led by Mockingbird, right? Um, well, I mean, they also had a whole bunch of lineups. Yeah. They also had their own Captain America for a while, called U.S. Agent, I think. Anyway, point being, the Avengers wait, as a so title was, Wait, U.S. Agent, U.S. Agent was like a store brand Captain America? He was yeah. like the Weedios of Captain America. He had, uh, t- t- yes, That's yes. Great. We'll just go with yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, but the point and, being, the Avengers is a, a very inclusive title that doesn't mean like these five people. It means the sp- superhero defenders of humanity, basically. Right. And uh, in 2018, Marvel just announced that they're doing an Inhumans. Uh, movie. Not to get too deep into that at all, but my understanding from brief wicking is uh, they're sort of an Avengers in space, right? Kind of? Um, They're a combination of that. They're more like a a Westeros in space. Oh. Oh, boy. So there's like, there's a king and his queen and the royal family of superpowered people and the king's brother is mad and is constantly trying to usurp the throne through trickery. It's like Asgard, Game of Thrones, uh, and mutants kind of wrapped into one, and they live on the moon. Oh, that sounds amazing. I have to wait till 2018? Well, apparently, uh, yes. In the, the not advanced answer is yes. Wait till. All right. Uh, we'll, wait we'll, a get, bit. we'll talk about that more in the advanced section then. Very well. Um, all right. This is a really important question. Uh, This is from Rob from Texas. And he said, what would happen if an unstoppable force collided with an immovable object? AKA, who would win a fight between Juggernaut versus the Blob? And your answer, Dave? Uh, I would say presumably at some point, Juggernaut would have to pause to regain his momentum because once he gets started, you can't stop him. But, you know, he has to pivot or I guess just run around the world. But that would take some time. And so Blob is basically immovable in terms of momentum. So I think that if the Juggernaut had to regain momentum, the Blob would have an edge. But I'm I'm rooting for Juggernaut because the Blob is a really disgusting character on screen in X-Men Origins Wolverine. And in the comics, there was a version of him that cannibalized the Wasp during like a mass panic in New York. And it was just a disgust, one of the most disgusting things I've seen a comic book character do to someone I liked. So I don't like the blob. I think uh, what will slow the juggernaut down, though, is his need to pause and, and toss off pithy one-liners like, on the juggernaut, bitch. That is a... <laughs> yes. That... I, I don't think of that when I think of juggernaut. I know, I know. It's just me, the like the movie-watching heathen that thinks of that. Sorry. That's my number one association with juggernaut, and it's not my fault. I think you can blame the movie for that. Uh, yes, and do, and I do. <laughs> All right, this is Ryan. This is a hybrid question because uh, they were similar good questions. Ryan from Toronto and Gareth from England. 
Um, is there a comic book series you'd like to see adapted into an HBO slash Showtime series? And then also what non-DC Marvel properties would excite you to be made into a TV show or movie? Um, and Dave's answer is similar to mine, so I'll pick like, you know, one half step over and say Saga. I would think Saga would be an amazing TV series. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think that... Once again, though, you have the challenge of the visuals, so maybe it would be a better film series than it would be a TV series. I don't know. Um, and well, I mean, put backtracking for people yeah. that might not know, Saga yes. is a space <laughs> fantasy series written by Brian K. Vaughn, who is was also a writer on basically he wrote everything you like about the second season of Lost, and he also wrote a comic book series called Why the Last Man, which is my choice. Uh, which is about the a plague that kills everything with a Y chromosome on Earth, except for a man and his monkey. And he then has to <laughs> try to reunite with his girlfriend who was on a trip to Australia, even though he was on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, it went on for, I believe, 60 issues, uh, 10 trade paperbacks of six issues each, roughly. Um, and told a complete story, and they keep trying to boot it up as a movie, first with DJ Caruso directing Shia LaBeouf, and then with Dan Trachtenberg directing Nobody, because that project never got past the scripting phase, and now it's sort of lying there limp again, and Brian K. Vaughn is busy with Saga, which is doing great in sales, uh, and still ongoing comic book-wise, and says it probably won't happen, but I would like to see uh, HBO take it on, because I think if they're going to go up against Netflix with their HBO Go, uh, Why the Last Man offers them something like a Orange is the New Black competitor, because it's just a cast full of women, and you could just like literally take every good woman actress and give her a part as uh, this guy adventures through a manless world. And who would you pick to play Why at this point? You mean the, the... The Last Man, sorry. Yorick? Yeah, whatever his name is. Uh, what's his name? Yeah. Um... Uh, who would I pick to play that? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I don't okay, know, man. Well, that's a question I will throw out to listeners then. Uh, yes. Who would, who would you dream cast in that project? I think it would be really great. And it's a better option than Saga, really, because it's a finished product. Uh, ever since Game of Thrones, I'm a little wary of adaptations of ongoing series. Um But both Saga and Why the Last Man do accomplish this very effortless diversity Mm-hmm. Uh, which I really, really admire um, because it just, it doesn't feel, you know, yeah, it just doesn't feel forced. And soften that sort of thing, you know, I think a lot of us are clamoring for diversity in comic book films and in comic books in general, but none of us want it to be, you know, shoved in there in a way that doesn't feel organic. And Brian K. Vaughan never has a problem with that. Uh, oh, I think. Before no? you say never... Have you read this series that he did in between these two things called Ex Machina? Uh, Brian K. Vaughan has never had this problem in the series. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, he got a lot of his uh, bad uh, habits out in that series. Right. So, moving on. 
Speaking of diversity, this dovetails very well into our next question, which is from Jason from Pennsylvania, who writes in, if Black Panther and Captain Marvel do Marvel's typical business, uh, will we see an explosion of movies led by minority or female characters? Uh, he says, yes, this is a direct result of my desire to see Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. Conversely, if those movies flop, and if they're Marvel's first flops, are we doomed to square-jawed white guys forevermore? Uh, I'm going to let Dave go more in depth because he's got a really good answer for this. But I will say that it is frustrating to me that movies like Catwoman and Elektra, uh, or even Supergirl going back, uh were held up for so long as examples of why we did not have female-led superhero movies. And so, yeah, a lot is riding on a Wonder Woman or a Captain Marvel. And I don't know if there's a comparable one for for non, non-white non uh, leads to direct our attention to Black Panther, but uh, or even Aquaman, these other projects that are coming up. But a lot is riding on it. Uh, but once again, I'll just let Dave take this because his answer's better. Go well, I mean, it. we'll also have Cyborg in 2020, and by then there will be a Netflix Luke Cage series, and he will be a hero for hire that overlaps with Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Iron Fist, who is unfortunately white, even though he does some very not-white things. Uh, okay, so I think that even if these movies do kind of fail, we're not going to scapegoat the people of color or the women because it looks like the trend in superhero movies is actually for crossovers and uh, team-ups and team movies and these large movies that depend on multiple characters so if we're not doing things like origin stories first like if Black Panther shows up in Captain America 3 uh, before he shows up in his own title movie then there's the possibility that maybe just his title movie and he doesn't work as a solo character, that doesn't mean that he's going to completely disappear. It just means he might take over the lead of something else, like an Illuminati Illuminati movie, which is what I would like to see. But point being, I don't think we're at a point where you could isolate movies in terms of this doesn't work because it was blank, because there's just so many things overlapping in terms of a superhero franchise movies these days. It's going to be hard to tell if, you know, Wonder Woman is a drag on Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. I think it's going to be impossible to tell. So I think I think we're out of the scapegoating forest because of people constantly asking these questions and demanding these heroes. I think I think we're moving in a generally good direction. Yeah, I mean, I have to wonder how much the pushback had to do with the studios getting it together and and announcing a Wonder Woman movie and announcing a Captain Marvel movie. Like, I'm sure Marvel always had a Captain Marvel movie planned, but the when is the question. Um, And I'm not worried about Captain Marvel at all because I like to think of, we can get more into creative forces behind comic book movies because that seems to be the big controversy with our film critic colleagues who push back on the Marvel enterprises. But if you want to think of like a guiding creative force behind Marvel, I think you could pin it to Joss Whedon. You not really, but kind of. And if you're thinking of a guiding creative force behind DC Warner brothers, it's Zack Snyder. And that's troubling to me uh, that the Wonder Woman movie, even though they are looking for a female director, that the Wonder Woman movie could be in any way be influenced by Zack Snyder, who I think is, is cancer when it comes to uh, making films about women. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't want to trash gonna... <laughs> that camp unnecessarily, but uh, you also have David Goyer on that side, who I think is just 
has turned a corner into somebody that shouldn't be writing or making movies anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you want to go into a little bit why? Um, I think we could save that for his future foot-in-mouth incidents because uh, he's just not a very pleasant person and has shown recently with his comments that he does not have any respect for a comics medium. So even though he has given us some okay entries in the past in terms of comic book movies, I think uh, it's time to stop turning to him. I, I really hope that... There's more uh, Jonathan Nolan in influence in terms of the producing team over at Warner Brothers DC than there is Goyer Snyder, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right. So Goyer, have you? Did you watch the season premiere of Con- or any of Constantine? I have not yet. No. Okay, because he's a force behind that, right? Yes. And then he is a force behind the Dark Knight and um, some Blades. Some There's, Blades. Yeah. So that's, okay, so that's some troubling information from the DC camp. Though, I, if you go over to BuzzFeed.com, they do have a really good interview with the, I don't remember his name. Do you know the, the creative director of, uh, of DC Film Universe? Oh, not off the top of my head. Like, yeah. The, I would know Feige's name. Yeah, the Kevin Feige, you know, corollary over in DC. He gr- gave a great interview. And maybe he's just really good at interviews. I don't know. But it was a great read. So I would, I would recommend checking it out. Um, and so our last question in the, you know, general section of this, yeah, the general listening, there you go, is why is it that DC is determined to make everything dark and gritty? And that came from Kurt from Massachusetts. Dave, your, your answer to this? Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. <laughs> uh, I, basically that he tried to make it campy, which should have worked for Batman because it worked for him in the sixties and it didn't so badly that they'll never do that again. I watched a bit of Tim Burton's, um, the second one, which is Batman... Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Michelle Pfeiffer is so phenomenal in that movie, so... I love... I think that one, that's the tone you could still do and hit between camp and the Batman darkness is, like, that dark humor. Like, Danny DeVito biting the head off a fish and Michelle Pfeiffer... uh, (laughs) turning like home sweet home into hell here like yeah. just like and putting all their stuffed animals down like garbage disposal like tim burton was the the perfect like little bit of spice to ride that line and joel schumacher came in it's like well what about neon and then it all went to crap and bat nipples what uh what tone is gotham striking um uh, it's trying to uh oh man i don't know that one oscillates and it's it's the weird thing because it looks like it, the the show looks like it could want to go really gritty, and then it has stuff like Balloon Man or like people acting in ways that make absolutely no sense, uh, especially with how they treat the Penguin because the Penguin's supposed to be so foreshadowed as our huge villain, and I just like there's so much about Gotham that they need to have a serious tonal meeting and sit down and commit one way or the other, because I'll be forgiving of something that's trying to be campy and failing. There could be fun in that, but there's not something that tries to be campy and have like serious murder storylines. It's, it's too, it's too weird. Also less Bruce Wayne. <laughs> less Bruce Wayne and Gotham. That's that kid ruined touch, which ruined 24. And now he's ruining Batman. 
I have nothing against him, I'm sure, as a person, but as an actor, I just know. Um, yeah, Patton Oswalt went on Twitter recently to say that his solution, and he's in the tank for Marvel, I mean, like, he's a, he's a general comic book guy, but obviously he's working for Marvel right now, uh, doing cameos on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, um, he loves the idea of doing Gotham through the eyes of the Penguin because everyone seems to be responding to that actor in particular. And so he was like, what if Gotham just turns out to actually be the Penguin story? And I think that's, I mean, that could be interesting. I would but, like that because then at least you have a point of view that yeah. makes sense. Like the the hybrid between, like I was talking about, Danny DeVito biting the head off a fish. If you could make the tone of the series that, I'd be forgiving of uh, some out there moments because it's the Penguin but it's like, I keep hearing like we're gonna start getting potential like Joker origin people, and that's like a big no no. You do not give the Joker an origin story, uh, especially <laughs> if it, especially if there's not gonna be Batman. So, I mean, I'm there's there are more red flags than good episodes on Gotham still. All right, um, that wraps up our our beginner section of the podcast uh once again please do send us emails this is really fun to get all your questions and we have a bunch more so we'll try to answer more of those next week but we also want to hear you know just from the rest of people who don't obsessively check their twitter and facebook like these lovely people did today uh and so once again you can email us at bubble your thoughts at gmail.com uh, and just email us any question about anything comics-related, comics-adjacent. Uh, this is the warning that we are now headed in to the advanced section. So shut it off if you don't want to hear quote-unquote spoilers. Here we go. Uh, we're going to circle back really quickly to the question about the Avengers. So will a new Avengers team without Evans, Hemsworth, and possibly Robert Downey Jr. work for uh, Avengers 3, Infinity Wars Part 1? Uh, <laughs> this is Chris from Texas' question. So what's your what's your spoiler answer to this? Yeah, I think they're all going to be dead. Um, so I don't know exactly how Iron Man is going to eat it. There's a lot of ways that that could happen. Uh, but Or at least he goes... he. There's also a sort of a history of him in comics just like suddenly going off planet and being like, I have things to do. <laughs> so um, maybe he's like the big question mark as to where he is during all part one. But Thor is going to go up against Ragnarok, which is basically the apocalypse and everyone dies and then the world rises out of the ocean. It's really complex. It's happened a couple times in the comics, but it's a perfect opportunity to kill Thor and Loki and Odin, even though Odin's already dead. Uh, and then Captain America. Oh, man. They, uh, they can bump off Hemsworth, but if they bump off Hiddleston, I think that's a bad idea. Well, I mean, they'll come back because they're gods, so they're technically immortal. Oh, okay. And if they okay. die in this god cycle, like the whole thing happens again. Like Odin fights the serpent and hanging tree man. and Right, right. Okay. So it's not an end of the characters. Uh, it is a very convenient way to... Um, recast. Recast. Uh, or, you know, have a female Thor for Yeah, a Lady bit, Thor. If yeah. those comics sell well enough. And then Captain America, um, the Fallen Sun storyline takes place immediately after Civil War where Captain America is basically shot and Bucky takes over as Captain America. Or, if selling goes well, uh, Falcon is also Captain America right now in the comics, so you could have a black Captain America uh, for another diversity option. But um, basically, 
You... But we do know that Sebastian Stan like signed on for I think like seven more films or something crazy, maybe five. Right, like... and also comics wise, Winter Soldier just got his own standalone series because oh. he took on this really important role where he's like protector of all the known universe. He's like the new Nick Fury because Nick Fury, white Nick Fury, finally, well, he didn't really die, but it's really complex. Uh, speaking of not really dying, the reason they could do this is the power of the Infinity Gauntlet can basically like change time or space or kill or resurrect people based on whims. So I completely expect for Infinity War Part 2 to be all the everybody, including the Netflix shows, people at that point, and just be like the biggest... The biggest movie we've seen since Deathly Hollows Part 2. <laughs> um, do you want to talk? Maybe we can talk. We'll save this for another episode, but you and I have talked a little bit about what happens to Hulk in this. So mm. we, well, can, we, can, we can talk. Do you want to talk about that now? Well, I mean, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to be. I thought Didn't I, you tell you know, me Hulk was going to go to space? Oh, I mean, that's still going to happen. Don't get me wrong. But and, like, and does he intersect with Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> um, that's a possibility. Um, also, in between Infinity War Part 1 and 2, we have uh, Captain Marvel and Inhumans, which are both spoilers for the Inhumans, um, descendants of the Kree and humans. So also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we have a Kree body and we have people getting uh, amended with Kree technology. They're the, the blue humans that Ronan the Accuser Lee Pace was. Same race. Um, so it, and I think... I do not want more of what Lee Pace is doing in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it well, upsets he's a, me that... He's an extreme version. Okay, all I'm saying is... he's an extreme Kree. I could deal with moderate Kree, but I don't know that I can go with more extreme Kree. All, all I'm saying is that in between Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2, there are two movies that have characters that have to do with this alien race and their connection to the people of earth and i think by that point we will have realized that agents of shield is also about inhumans and that scarlet witch and quicksilver are inhumans because i think they're replacing mutants with inhumans even though kevin feige told me that wasn't happening so because they can't use the mutants because uh, fox Fox, owns fox owns x-men okay so i think um basically if like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in Avengers Age of Ultron will have been experimented on using the carcass of one of those giant lizard things from the end of Avengers 1. Um, And they are the only two that have survived the experiments, implying that they are something more than human. Inhuman, uh, perhaps. What are the, remind me what the giant lizard things are at the end of Avengers. The thing that Hulk punches, the flying lizard troop transports. Oh, like the huge, like, trilobite sort of things. Right. So, like, okay. uh, the Hydra collected one of those carcasses and has been gotcha. harvesting its okay. body parts for experimentation, and that's what gives us our new new Avengers. Okay, great. Um, and and I think of... that's about halfway through Avengers Age of Ultron. So there you go, guys. <laughs> uh, okay, and then this ties into um, what we were just talking about, which is the fact that... Fox owns X-Men and Sony owns Spider-Man. And so this idea that 
Marvel is trying to do certain comic book stories without using characters from those franchises because they don't have the rights to them anymore. Um, which is why we keep getting X-Men films rebooted. I'm, I, I know I don't need to tell the people in the advanced section this, but I'm saying it anyway. Which is why we keep getting X-Men films rebooted, why we keep getting Spider-Man rebooted, is because Fox and Sony are trying to hang on to those properties and, in fact, spin out their own mega franchises off of that. Like, Sony's plan is, is bonkers to me. But anyway... Point being, this question comes from uh, someone on Twitter, JustBees, um, at J-S-T-N-B-S-N. He's from California, and he says, who do you guys think will play the Spider-Man role in Civil War if they can't get the license back by then? So just a little bit more explanation. One of the rumors around the big Marvel event that happened this week where they announced all their Phase 3 films was that they were going to announce that they somehow got the rights to Spider-Man or X-Men or, you know, some massive amount of money changed hands and they got the right to use Spider-Man for Civil War. Uh, This is not the case. It may still happen, who knows, but I really doubt it, given what Sony has planned. So, Dave, will we miss Spider-Man in the Civil War plotline? Why or why not? Hmm. Well, do, what do you know about Spider-Man in the Civil War plotline? Nothing! Will you tell me? Yes. Um, so the Civil War plotline in the comics, which you can divorce from the idea of the Civil War in the movie because they're going to be completely different, have to do with the Superhuman Registration Act, where Iron Man says that the government should have registered superheroes so they are held accountable and Captain America says he's seen shit like that from the Nazis and he's not going to take it. And everybody sort of picks sides. The surprising one here is Spider-Man, who unmasks himself publicly and reveals himself to be Peter Parker and joins Iron Man's side, which Iron Man gives him like some armor and Peter Parker gets a job at Stark Industries and everything gets really buddy-buddy with the two. This kind of destroyed Spider-Man as a standalone arc Um, They had to go back and make Doctor Strange cast a spell on the whole world to take away... (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) To take away the memory of uh, the person's identity. And... um, Yeah. That's great. That's great. It's... I mean, this, this... There's... There's so much, there's a couple of times in Spider-Man where like, actually one time the devil actually stepped in and undid the whole child he had with Mary Jane. It's really some crazy stuff happened. But point being, Civil War kind of broke Spider-Man, but it became like this huge cornerstone of the thing outside of a clone Thor and the actual showdown between Captain America and uh, Iron Man. It was a big, it was a big moment. Um, That's not going to happen in the movie whatsoever for the simple reason that the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't have secret identities. Yeah, uh, that's so. I like never thought about that until I saw you write that earlier today. I just never thought about the fact that yeah, everyone knows. I mean, Thor is Thor, but everyone knows who Steve Rogers is. Everyone knows uh, who Tony Stark is. It's um, it's so interesting. Yeah, it's not. Is an that issue. true in the Marvel comics? Um, I mean, not. What do you mean? Like I mean, the- for Captain America or for Iron Man. Yeah, there are certain ones that everybody knows who they are. Uh, Tony Stark, basically everybody knows. Uh, he puts his name on everything. And uh, right. Steve Rogers is a World War II hero, so right. he was. everybody knew who he was before he got thought out. Um, you also have the Fantastic Four in the comics, who are very publicly themselves, and uh, things to that degree. Secret identities... 
What about Doctor Strange? Is that going to be or Ant Man? Are those going to be secret identity movies or? Um, Doctor Strange won't. He already got spoken as Stephen Strange in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, so everybody knows where he is already and what he does. Ooh, uh, I'm gonna go back and look for that. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, specifically already <coughs> the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, which he is in the comics as well. It's like. You know, I don't know. If there was magic in the real world, you'd know who the top world's top magician was, probably. Just because, you know, you engage Harry, with the world. It's Harry Potter. That's what I was told. Okay, fair enough. So <laughs> you you would recognize Daniel Radcliffe walking down the street That's like right. people would recognize Stephen Strange. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the weird thing where... Characters only have a secret identity if there's really a story to be told with that. As we learned with Spider-Man, his whole crux is his responsibility to other people. So he doesn't want his family members being targeted, even though that's constantly what happens. But that's a suspension of disbelief that we put up with. Uh, These other more godlike, powerful people uh, don't have that much familial connection. And a lot of them are rich and then some of them are gods. And, like, especially once you get to the X-Men, they've been ostracized by their family and the whole idea is that they get to make their own new identities. So secret identities haven't been a big thing since somebody noticed that uh, Clark Kent is just Superman with glasses on. <laughs> or you can tell who that is underneath that cowl if you pay enough attention. Or also, my favorite thing about secret identities, which is the black eye makeup that... that superheroes put on before they put the, the cowl on. Oh, yeah. It drives me insane. Drives well, I mean, me insane. Zorro had that same problem. And if you think about <laughs> it, if you really want to know who Zorro is, you just got to look at his hands because only a wealthy man would have manicured fingernails. So <laughs> Zorro, um, Zorro is where it all began. That's true. He is the original Batman. Um, it's been fun for me to watch Arrow having, having watched Buffy so religiously and to watch Arrow go through the same thing, which is one person knows a secret identity. Okay, two people. Okay, three. Okay, now four. Okay, now, okay, now like everyone. Uh, you know, by the end of Buffy, it was so many people knew she was a slayer when at first it was this like fun tension of the secret. But it's an interesting thing when you have an ongoing television show like that where you can get some fun comedy out of that. And I think that, um, Stephen Amell, I think that is his name, who mm-hmm. plays Oliver Queen, I think did a great job playing the comedy of, you know, the Bruce Wayne, the, like, the playboy who has this great responsibility uh, underneath this playboy veneer. Um, and that's kind of gone out the window at this point. They don't really do that anymore on the show. So... Um, it's something that's been dispersed with in the comics, too. Like, both times Brian Michael Bendis has relaunched Spider-Man <coughs> as Ultimate Spider-Man with Peter Parker... And then as Miles Morales, um, he's sort of made jokes about how quickly they are incapable of keeping their identity a secret. Yeah. Uh, Both of them tell their girlfriends really early on, which seems like a bad idea if you're like 15 or 16. But it is more realistic in the sense that that's your whole world for the character and you want to keep them safe, but you also don't want, you know, the lies going on. So I think we've come around to a more... I don't know. I've, I hesitate to use the word realistic to talk about comic book plots, but a more realistic understanding <laughs> of secret identities. Well, I think the problem from a storytelling perspective is how can you make those characters who the person is interacting with not seem stupid 
if they don't figure out that this is his alter ego. You know, like if you had a Mary Jane uh, or a Gwen Stacy around for several films not knowing, she would just seem dim. And then it's hard uh, to root for her. (laughs) And you're like, really? You can't tell that he's Spider-Man? So I don't know. That's true. I mean, the best one was the thing whose girlfriend is blind. I always liked that pairing. That is good. Not a secret identity, but like in terms of somebody that's never possibly going to be stupid, but you could kind of forgive for stupidity. It really worked out. That is good. Smart. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? I I think we covered a lot. We did cover a lot. and There's so much more to go. Uh, I really hope that this is interesting to you guys and you want to ask us more questions. Uh, Once again, you can reach us at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com or you can hit me up on Twitter. It's at Joe wrote this or you can hit Dave up on Twitter. It's at DA7E and drop your thoughts there. That would be great. Uh, how else can people find you on the internet this week, Dave? Uh, you could find me at uh, I Love Dave Gonzalez. That's D A V G O N Z A L E S dot com. And you can find me most days on vanityfair.com. You can find us both on Fighting in the War Room, uh, which is what this feed is anyway, and uh, Republic City Dispatch. And thanks so much for listening. Bye. Tony Stark makes you feel he's a cool exec with the hardest steel. As Iron Man, all jets ablaze, he's fighting and slime with repulsor rays. Amazing Iron Man!